I just want to let you guys know about something awesome happening this weekend. On Friday, the Robert Morris Colonial Women's Hockey Club will be hosting Penn State at the Island Sports Center, and it will be their third annual teddy bear toss. I was around for the first three, first two, and they were really, really, really awesome to see in person, and it's always a great turnout. Now, all you need to do is buy a brand new teddy bear, take it down to the island, and make sure you leave the tags on those teddy bears. And whenever the Colonials score their first goal, you're just going to toss them out on the ice. All the proceeds are going to be donated to the Autism Society of Pittsburgh. I know all the girls enjoy it. They have a great time with it. Uh, the people who are in charge of it, Maggie Legue, this year, uh, in the past, they have all enjoyed this uh, this day. This is one of their favorite days of the year. So please, if you have a chance, if you have the time, come down to the island on Friday to check out the teddy bear toss and stick around afterwards uh skate with the colonials free you can skate with the team uh on the ice for free after the game uh skate run i think I believe it's three bucks down there but the uh, game's at 705 at the island thank you i'll see you in the rink Hello again, hockey fans, and welcome back. Episode number 15 of the PhD Podcast. I am Mitch. You can find me on Twitter at PhD underscore Mitch. Find us on Facebook at PGH Hockey Digest, on Twitter at PGH Hockey Digest, on Instagram, SoundCloud, all that fun stuff at PGH Hockey Digest. Uh, I hope everybody enjoyed their Thanksgiving holiday, but we are ramped right back into hockey. I've got a big Big show here today for you. A great interviews coming up. I was able to talk to Maddie Mills, who from Cornell was with the Elite program from Swickley, and she just had talked about her time she spent at the island last weekend in that series against the Robert Morris women. I also was able to speak with Nick France on winning the October player Bardowski Player of the Month. Uh, that was, of course, two weeks ago. Uh, we, right after the last podcast dropped, I was able to sit down and talk to Nick. And then uh, after the game on Monday night, I talked to a couple of the Montour Spartans, Coach Clay Shell and Richie Froelich, and they discussed their big start and what's the catalyst on that team right now, especially you know at 8-0 in the North. And one of those big things, plus we've got your scoreboard from the PIHL. You're sitting down with Gary Heeman with the uh, Robert Morris men. Had a big couple weekends while we were away. They were off for the one, and then, of course, Mercyhurst, a big sweep uh, coming up on that one. Uh, we talked to Matt Mamros, actually, live in studio. You're going to notice a lot of this was live. We recorded this live on Monday night at the Island Sports Center. Um, I'm, of course, now back in studio for the build of the podcast, but, you know, I enjoy sitting down and getting a little bit of the feel of the rink, behind, you know, the sound of the sticks clanking, the glass being hit, pucks being hit off the crossbar, everything like that is just awesome to have in the background. I wish I would have been able to do the whole show that day. But alas, we can't always get what we want. We had to wait for some scores and everything to stop by. For first, we're just going to get into the uh, Robert Morris men and a little bit of a review and a preview with Gary Heeman. I sat down with him on Monday night to talk with him about the day. All right, we are back here at the Island Sports Center live, recording on a Monday night before Montour and Deer Lakes get, are set to face off here with Gary Heeman, of course. Gary Heeman, our Robert Morris men's writer, and, of course, the one of the hosts of the Action Track podcast that I produce, uh, where we do have a suck track, unfortunately, oh, here. You had, to, you had to bring it up. I, I had to bring I, it up. I don't suck so bad. <laughs> Anybody that doesn't know anything about podcasting or anything like recording, you always have a track that you, you, you record over. And I refer to it as a suck track, so you get all the fun stuff at the end of the year and you release it as a, a B-side, but <laughs> so half the time you can't use it, especially with some guys like yeah. this. And I, I don't think we can release the uh, the Learnerville Action Track podcast suck track. That's going to be locked right. in the vault between you and me and E. <laughs> but I, I will tell you this much. There wasn't much suck going on this weekend with the Robert Morris men. No, there was <laughs> Gary, not. Let us know what happened, what we missed. Uh, you know what? Uh, I, I don't. Before this weekend started, I said at some point here soon they're due to to really clobber somebody on the scoreboard. 
I wasn't sure, you know, who it was going to be or how soon. But, like, in the next couple of weeks, you figured this was going to come where it was all just going to break out. Yeah, that and it happened this weekend. But before that, Friday night's game, you look at the uh, in the weekend sweep that the Colonials achieved over Mercyhurst. Um, on Friday, we saw a game that really saw them stick to the details very well. Um, they managed that puck. They managed that game. And they, uh, they took advantage of the opportunities as they earned them and presented themselves. And at the other end, kept the puck out of the end for most of the game, except for yeah, some yeah, some penalties, which they would probably not like to have had taken in the third. It felt like, you know, and Coach Good even said it, we, we were killing half the period, and they were. But they, the good news is they uh, survived, thrived, and hung on. And, um, you know, when, when big saves were needed, you know, Francis Marat was right there. Um, one thing that will stick with me about that Friday um, that Friday game, though, is just that there was a major penalty assessed with less than four minutes to go in a 3-1 hockey game. This is a perfect opportunity mm -hmm. for, for Mercyhurst just to, to pull their goaltender a little bit earlier and, and, you know, give it their best to crank two in. There's a sense of urgency, and you know what? It was like they never really got close to those golden opportunities at all. Mm -hmm. um, so credit to Robert Moore's colonial penalty kill on doing a good job in tandem with Marat. They uh, they really never seemed like a great threat to score during that major mm -hmm. that major penalty. Um, you know, so they took care of business on Friday night with a with a really good win, some timely goal scoring. How about Eric Israel? One point five seconds left. Did you see the replay? Of that, that was point five. Because yeah. I remember we were talking about it up in the uh, up on press row and I believe I was looking at I was talking to Matt Geica and I'm like, there's no way it was less than point four. I mean at right. it was at least point four because I saw the goal the the puck cross and out of the corner of my eye I saw that there was still time on the clock and the clock ticked down at that time. Yeah. So it, it was it was one of those like that's another buzzer beater by you know on the island and they're crazy they're getting insane here. Absolutely, they were, and it was uh, with good reason too because I mean the um, the Colonials do what they had to do. They they put the foot down, got the first goal of the game, um, a really great shot from the slot. Wow, um, mm -hmm. talk about that one really quick, as you know, a, a goal that you need to score there to keep you know playing and instilling your will, mm -hmm. you know so to speak. And Aiden Spellacy's goal proved to do that. It gave them the one nothing lead. They hadn't always been great with a lead early on, but this time they were able to dictate the way they wanted to play, and that was in the Mercyhurst end, down below the goal line when they needed to, and they possessed a, a lot of the puck a lot of the time. So give them credit. That was a, a really big win, a necessary win. Then take it over to Saturday where it turns into kind of a special teams free-for-all, and the Colonials are on top of it. It was hard to get you know momentum and, and see, you know, how the five-on-five five was going to develop simply because they, um, they, there really wasn't a lot of time. The, the, the funny thing, and I'm going to mention, I'm going to cut in here real fast. Sure. At, neither of the teams that play on the island right now are playing very well for a full weekend. So you're, you're seeing a lot of fall off. Either you're having a slow start like the women are on Friday and then falling and then having a great Saturday. Or the men who are, you know, not playing as well on, you know, are playing well on Fridays but not being able to put it all together for a full weekend. And, it's one of those things you look at, and you were wondering when, when, when a team would be able to pull off and be able to come out and play both games strong, and, and this it was a good effort, and go ahead and let them know. Oh, absolutely, it was a good effort. I mean, you, you look at you know the things that go into a 7-1 win, you have to have power play goals. They got them. They got three of them. You can't give up power play goals. They didn't. They killed off all six opportunities against. Um, you got to come up with scoring from different places. You know, one person can't really dominate it sometimes. And they got scoring from different places. Um, when you look at the, the sheet, uh, Justin Adamo returned to the, the goal tallies here with um, you know, two of them on Saturday night. And you know, he'd gone, you know, he started out hot and gone through a little bit of a scoring lull, but had been playing the right way and, you know, made some more opportunities and put him in the back of the net. Um, Daniel Mantenuto, you can't talk enough about how his season's been going so far. He's always been that, you know, that um, – that hard-working sort of player that you know you can use on a penalty kill. He's he'll do whatever you ask him to. Basically, it's great to see him now getting rewarded with goals, which you know the first couple of years could sometimes take a few games in between. I mean, mm -hmm. you might not you might not see him on the score sheet for you know six weeks or so, but now there's they're coming with more regularity now. And um, I really got to say, I the one thing about the weekend that I liked and noticed. You know, there are a lot of things that I can notice. But oh, definitely I, that weekend. I, I noticed the, the forward line combinations from Friday um, seem to be, I don't know how long they're going to stay together. I don't know if injuries and, and people returning are going to throw different elements of that in different places. But I very much like, I'm going to just say it right now, that top line um, with Luke Lynch 
and Justin Adamo and Jake Coleman. Um, you mm -hmm. talk about three different sorts of players that play with a similar mindset, and that is more aggressive. Um, not necessarily physically aggressive, but they have that in them. But they're not, they're not going to back down from the physical challenges. But at the same time, they're looking for offense, and they work hard in the corners, and they get the puck. Um, they get the puck to each other. I saw that. They were able to keep, shi they were able to keep shifts extended in the zone. And um, I really liked where that one was going. And also, you look at um, you know, Friday night. You know, I mean, I noticed this one right off the bat. You know, Aiden Spellacy in his line, mm -hmm. um, you know, did some really great things. Um, I'm liking the way that it's coming together and gelling. And that sweep is big. It's big in terms of, you know, they came back from, I'm going to stop talking about it after, after today, but a weekend against Penn State that they would have liked to have, um, you know, earned the rewards that um, they probably could have merited for mm -hmm. parts of the games that they played. And, you know what, they uh, – they had a weekend off after that, and Coach Cooley was vehement about. We didn't want the weekend off. Yeah, coming after Penn State, we want you know we wanted to get that you know whatever that bad taste is in the mouth out of it quick. You know, I mean, you want to hit the ice, you want to get back to to improving and doing the things that that you want to do as a hockey team. And um, to to get a weekend off after a, a series like that and to come back firing on all cylinders with a lineup that had gone through some changes beforehand um, speaks volumes to the. It's starting to speak volumes to the depth that it's available on this team and to the freshmen that are becoming a bigger part of this team, game in and game out, and you can just see that confidence from the freshmen and flowing. One of the big things that uh, Derek Schooley always likes to present and perform, you know, make sure everybody's understanding, especially the first year, the, fr the freshmen coming in, is that once you hit that, that Three Rivers Classic time, you know, end of the season, you're no longer They're freshmen. No freshmen. No freshmen and, after Christmas. But, so this lot, you know, you're looking at players like Kip Hoffman getting his first goal, yep. Aiden Spellacy getting his first goal. Um, you, of course, you had big goals from Adamo so far and Adamo so far and it's been like one of those things where they're already starting to make that presence known early and that's a big thing whenever you think about it. It's, it's it a really huge is. detail that these these players that you're going to need to rely on especially with how many are actually coming into the lineup uh, they're going to get they're going to start making that head waves now and you're seeing players like Coin right. <laughs> Coin at the end of the second game on Saturday and you're looking at Horseman getting another goal on Saturday at, any, at the last two goals that were Coin and Horseman. I think we were driving back from Wheeling. Uh, yep. Andrew Wisniewski and I were like, oh, yeah, 7-1 final. Oh, my God, who scored? Well, Coin and Horseman <laughs> scored in the third period. What? Yep, <laughs> so it's, it's depth. You're it's getting that depth, that depth game, that well-rounded game, and especially from a team like Mercyhurst, who had a chip on their shoulder coming back into this after how last season ended for them. Yep. You think about that, they finished first in the conference and ended up, you know, Robert Morris took them out in the play, in the uh, postseason. Yep, So absolutely. I mean, you know, I mean, it's, that, there's a little bit in that involved. Um, the, the longer I've been covering hockey, the one thing I realize is the effective carryover from a result the year before isn't always as pronounced as it is the next year. The people have changed a little mm -hmm. bit too much. So it's not – I don't think it was a point of emphasis for Rob Morris. I don't even know if it – for Rick Gock, and I don't know that Rick's in the locker room going, you know, there's a lot on the line. we got to get revenge for that loss last year and the way it happened. I think they were looking just to stay hot, and that was the thing. They didn't want mm -hmm. their momentum broken. They were coming in with um, a series of, you know, five good results in a row. Um, you know, and that got interrupted and halted. So you kind of – I'm sure they're, you know, wringing the hands a little bit after this past weekend for sure. All right. I mean, so I want to give a, a – just yeah. before we go, a couple yeah. of different – we were talking about um, some, some – Players making some progress. I want to talk about some freshman defensemen really quick if we can. Oh, talk about Friday night. Um, Jeff Lawson, four block shots, and almost put in a highlight real goal. And yes. so I'm go, I'm head over heels, right close to the net there. Um, a great performance. He's um he's been a very pleasant surprise this year. Um, you know, he's um maybe not quite as um you know, physically you know large as some of the other ones are that have come into the program this year, but is making up for. For that, with just a great effort in almost every game, um, I really think that um, he's uh, he's been a big part of the puzzle for mm -hmm. the defense back there. And also, Nolan Schaefer, wow. Um, I, I noticed him at the beginning yeah. of the year, and he's just continuously gone up in in uh, power rankings with me. Whenever it, you know, I look at how well players are going, you know, doing, and that's a big one. You're right. The, the back end, especially in a, in a three-one game, you were think about that Friday game. They were without Alex Robert. Yeah. Alex Robert was suspended yep. for that game. So shorthand, you know, they were short one of their top defenders, if not their top one of their top, well, one of their top defensive defenders in the game. So um, 
big ups to the you know that the young core because I believe they had three freshmen in the lineup for that game. So four, Absolutely. four Absolutely. freshman defenders in that game. And so. that's gonna because you 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 hate to say it, but you know the, the the odds are stacked against you when it comes in terms of of um you know, the health of everybody. I mean, at mm -hmm. some point you're looking at you know perhaps somebody you know losing some time here. Mm -hmm. And right now, if that happens, it's strictly a next man up game. I mean, you know you like to think you know having a, a young defensive core that could, you know, pose some challenges with some players who weren't used to playing with each other. But right now, I mean, you know, you lose a player like Robert and they're still showing not a lot of effects. Trust me, don't get me wrong. It's great to have Alex Robert oh, yeah. available in every yeah, game. Yeah. But at the same time, you've got a little bit of more confidence now in the back of the mind going, you know what, what's the worst thing that can happen? We lose somebody, next man up, and they've got you covered. Mm -hmm. Okay, now I'm also going to mention something that I said I wasn't going to mention in the pregame, the, the pre thing, but – you took you took four points from Mercyhurst. Now you're looking at Sacred Heart. Oh and yeah, and they're heading up to New Haven, and they're going to be playing Sacred. Sorry, Fairfield, and up to Bridgestone, uh, Bridgeport. Uh, sorry, it's in Bridgeport. Yes, <laughs> the <laughs> having a night. You know, <laughs> one of those things. But you know, you're going to go up there. You're going to play in the Webster Bank Arena against the team that, in history, has been a very, very, very. Uh, there have been a tough beat, but not an. You know, it's not a tough it, it, game. It's, you know? it's strange. It's you know, and yeah. the Colonials. I want to. I'm not even going to bring up the stat because I don't think it's worth yeah. uh, bringing up. But let's just say this. I mean, the Colonials have had the better of the play. Okay? Yes. But it's not always been by very much. And you mm -hmm. know what? As I look at this year's Sacred Heart Pioneers, the one thing you notice is, other than one game, they have been in a position to be in every single game this season. Um, don't let the record fool you. It's they're two seven and two right now, but. Um, you know, I, C.J. Maritolo and his staff um, will have his team prepared at home. Um, you know, you look at with a lot of close results that haven't gone their way, they're going to be even hungrier than ever. Mm -hmm. um, it's time for them to, to start you know, progressing forward in their game. And they've got some talented players that can do it. I mean, you've got, you're speaking about Mark Johnstone, who's always been a, a really good quality forward for the first two years there, um, you know, and a few other people. Brett Magnus in the net has been you know, solid. Um, you know, as far as uh, the quality of goaltending there, um, Sacred Heart is not an easy out. Um, and of course, oh. you're playing there. You're always going to have a little bit of, of a time difference too, because typically speaking, they start those. And I think this year, the Saturday game is probably at like two o'clock or so in the afternoon. I believe, if, if my memory serves me correctly. Yeah. Um, so you're always playing a, a quick turnaround. You know, to, as can be found when you go to places like you know Sacred Heart or AIC, the, the teams that play in the, the larger size AHL size buildings. That, you know. Are a co-tenant basically with um with a minor pro team, um you know you try to get the kids back earlier on a on a Saturday to get them back in class and get them back um you know studying on Sunday, but at the same time I mean you know, it's it's a really quick turnaround. It's not seven and four. I believe it's seven and two. It is a seven oh five and two oh five start. Yep. Now I'm looking at their their schedule now from last couple of years. They've they lost the opening series to Northeastern mm -hmm. at home. Then they tied Providence. Yep. Uh, Lost, I mean, won, beat Bentley in Bentley 3-2. Lost 3-2 against Bentley. Lost the, uh, beat Army 4-2. Lost 4-1. Then they have losses of 4-3, 3-0, a tie of 3-3, and a 3-2. So you're looking, at, you're looking at Mercyhurst, Canisius, mm -hmm. and then it's us coming up. So you're looking at those games, and they're they're in every game. They're, they're playing, what's that, four overtime games already this season, and they're staying within it. So that overtime loss to Bentley. Right, you know, exactly. So that's oh, sorry, it was an overtime loss to Mercyhurst and Bentley. So and you just look at their traits really quick. I mean, they, this is a hardworking team. Um, they're not always physically dominant. I mean, they don't have the the bigger the, the bigger players that you can find in some other rosters, mm -hmm. perhaps. But they play big. Um, you know, they um, they're opportunistic offensively. I mean, if you give them you know enough opportunities, they're going to put them in the back of the net. Um, you know, and they're going to be looking to to maybe not transition back and forth with the Colonials, but maybe try to get, you know, mm -hmm. some power plays working and take advantage of the ones they do get. And if they do and they get a lead, they can be, um, you know, uh, it can be a hard point or two to manage. Mm -hmm. All right. So Robert Morris Colonials heading up to Webster Bank Arena this weekend. Sacred Heart Pioneers will be waiting for them. 7.05 on Friday, 2.05 on Saturday. Gary, thank you for coming on with us this week. And I hope to see you this uh, in a couple weeks. So. Yes. <laughs> We'll be back Take here. care, sir. Yes, sir. Take care. Great to be a part All of it. Right. Thank you. So uh, the Robert Morse men are in Sacred Heart this weekend. 7.05 start on Friday, 2.05 on 
Saturday. That is, of course, from the Webster Bank Arena in in Bridgeport, Connecticut. That is home of the Bridgeport Sound Tigers. So they play in the big rink out there. Uh, Going to be a fun weekend for the men. Uh, looking for uh, another couple W's there. Hopefully you can take three out of four, if anything, out of that, that weekend. That'll help them out in those Atlantic hockey standings. We're going to switch gears here to the Robert Morris women. Of course, they had a four games since we last spoke, and uh, the one series was last weekend against Mankato. They were down four, I believe, four nothing after the first uh, two periods against those against uh, Minnesota State, and were able to come back to forge a tie in the third period. Uh, late Kirsten Welsh goal was able to get them tied up late on that one, and on Saturday it was a little bit rougher. They were up on Minnesota State, and I believe they lost a 2-1 in that contest. Minnesota State uh, was able to come back in the last seven or so minutes of that contest to uh, take the victory there. So that you know it was a rough week for everybody, and I, I'm guessing there were some tough. There was a little bit of a tough uh, training all week, and he came out uh, on Friday night with a. I'm sorry, on Friday afternoon against uh, Cornell, who came to town, number seven in the nation. And the lineup looked a little bit different. Quite a few scratches in it. A couple injuries, I believe, what they were, what they said was going on. Uh, a couple players were down. But they were able to you know, start out pretty strong against Cornell. But it was for naught, as Cornell would take a huge second period and turn it into a victory on Friday night, uh, big news out of that one was uh, Kirsten Welsh blocking a shot, and I'm not sure uh, any extent of any injury at that point, but uh, she blocked a shot, and she wasn't able to return to the game, and she did not play again on Sunday, I mean, on Saturday, and uh, Saturday they played a lot better, I believe, against uh, against that Cor- those Cornell Big Red, and Cornell was able to come out and... Robert Morris uh, matched them stride for stride early on and got into the second period. Robert Morris was able to take a quick 2-0 lead. However, Cornell erased that and more. Um, but uh, Robert Morris showed a little bit of uh, the, that fortitude that they have, and they came back and they were able to forge the tie on the second half of the day. Lauren Bailey came alive after that second period, uh, stopping everything that was coming her way, including players. And, yeah, it was a... Uh, it was a great weekend for the women on the island, and definitely one of those things you got to look at. And of course, I as you heard in my preview, uh, the opening for this uh, podcast is that they have the Teddy Bear Toss on Friday at 7:05. Uh, please, if you have a chance to go out and check it out, please check it out. I know it means a lot to them, and it means a lot to the uh, program as a whole. Um, I will not be there on Saturday. Jared Todd Hunter is going to be tagging in for me to cover that game. And we will be, I will be back in 2019 to the island. They have one more series after that. That is at Minnesota. And Minnesota is number, currently number two in the nation. So uh, it will be a big series for the ladies to close out 2019. The one thing that came out of this weekend is I was able to speak with one of the local talent headed out that headed out to other places, and that was uh, Maddie Mills. Maddie Mills, of course, of Swickley and the Penguins Elite. Uh, very, very, very skilled, very talented player. The Ivy League player of uh, Rookie of the Year last season. So here is my quick talk with Maddie Mills on Monday night. Maddie, thank you for coming on here and talking with me. Uh, you, Of course, you were in town this weekend back in Pittsburgh playing Robert Morris. Um, first and foremost, how was your visit back? <laughs> you live right up the road. It yeah, it was awesome to be home. I wouldn't expect him to ever get to play there, um, as a, for Cornell, especially in front of, um, my family and stuff. Um, extended family got to come and never really get to see me play. So it was really exciting, especially at Thanksgiving too. Oh yeah, definitely. And you spent a number of years here playing for the elite in Pittsburgh and, um, you know, could you just tell me about your time there and what helped you get to Cornell? And then we'll go into a little bit more in depth on that. Yeah, um, I moved to Pittsburgh when I was in sixth grade. And I had only been playing boys hockey up until that point because where I was previously didn't have such uh, women's programs. So I didn't 
know really there was good girls hockey around. And then I moved to Pittsburgh and I met Kathy Pippi, um, who has actually started the Pendley program. And she kind of set me up with it, which really opened my eyes to all the opportunities girls had. I uh, was extremely blessed to play on that team and um, realize like all the opportunities I had before. Um, so that got me to kind of look at other options from there. And that's uh-huh. when I decided to go to a boarding school after that. But it all started really in Pittsburgh. Okay. And now moving along, you're now looking at schools and what – Going to Cornell, I mean, it's, it's a huge, you know, a huge program to head into. Uh, what seemed like it was the fit for you out there? Yeah, um, I really wanted a school that would have um, a great hockey community, like from the coaches down to the players, and I thought Cornell definitely had the fit that I wanted, but I also wanted a school that uh, would challenge me and put me in the best position academically. I wanted to study engineering and um, Cornell had a great engineering program, so to use hockey um, to pursue academic goals was also really exciting for me, so Cornell just seemed like a perfect fit. You, of course, last year you gone, went through your first year at a big year, and you ended up as the Ivy League Rookie of the Year. How big of an honor was that for you to hear that you received that award? Yeah, that was that was really exciting. I didn't know what to expect going to play college hockey. Um, I just wanted to be of a help to the team I could be, and to play such a big role um, was huge. It was extremely exciting for me. Um, it, was, it was way more than what I was expecting, so it was a huge honor, especially against some of the players that are in the Ivy League. They're really amazing players, so it was, it was a big honor. Okay. And the final question that I have for you now uh, today is uh, the Penn's Elite program. How did it help prepare you for moving along to, of course, uh, boarding school and going to Cornell? Yeah, um, Penn Elite was a great program because it had players from all over, um, especially at the time that I played. We had players from all over the country playing for us. Um, so I got to play with really, really talented girls that I had never known were out there. I didn't know that there were other girls that were that good at hockey. So um, it really put me in the right position to challenge myself and want to get better and improve. Um, to be one of the best players. That was Maddie Mills, of course, of the Cornell Big Red. Thank you to Cornell and the athletic department for giving me the opportunity to speak with her. Uh, We're going to switch gears now and jump over to Headwaters. Uh, Of course, when we last left you with Headwaters, the uh, big, big, big news was Liam Cavanaugh's phone. Uh, Matt Mamros is going to bring us up speed on that in a couple minutes. I just wanted to let you guys know that the ep- season two, episode number one of Never Give Up Radio, hosted by Albie and, of course, Liam Cavanaugh, debuted this week. So get a chance to check it out online at NGU Radio on all platforms. Please go and check it out. Um, now, with further ado- without further ado, here is Matt Mamros, live Monday night. At the island for Headwaters. All right, we are back with Matt Mamros. Matt, we were just talking about Liam Cavanaugh and Never Give Up Radio, uh, season two debuting today. Of course, this is Monday, but uh, we actually have Matt here with me live at the island. Uh, Matt, speaking of Liam Cavanaugh, do you have any updates on his phone after last week's uh, after last podcast festival snafu? Well, well, Mitch, it's actually I'm kind of disappointed in our listeners because. We are still sitting at $50 out of the $1,400 required to get Liam a new iPhone. So I'd like to personally challenge our viewers to donate on GoFundMe. Find the, the GoFundMe and donate to Liam's new iPhone. It'll be very rewarding, I promise. All right. Now, you're here for a reason. We're going to talk about all the players that have come through the Pittsburgh area, all the important, you know, details of coming through Pittsburgh and training and, you know, maybe growing up here. What do you got for us this week, man? And absolutely. I mean, how fitting is it to be in this rink where pretty much if you've played hockey in Pittsburgh, you've played in the Island Sports Center. So mm-hmm. this is very fitting to be here. So let's let's start in the ECHL, Mitch. All right. So Brady Ferguson, after a two-game stint for um, Hockey Fights Cancer up in Toronto, was returned to Newfoundland, and he is still tearing it up in the ECHL. 23 total points, 19 games played 10 goals and 13 assists but he is in top 10 in points goals and assists in the ECHL so it's very 
very satisfying to see him tear up that league and mm -hmm. hopefully he'll make a name for himself in Toronto when he gets back up there. Patrick Gall, who we haven't talked about in, in a hot minute, but he's got two goals and three assists in 12 games for the South Carolina Stingrays. I know they're visiting uh, West Banco very shortly here. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's sometime this week. And I believe you and Andrew Wisniewski were down in uh, West Banco this weekend I to see a very important was, matchup. I was definitely was able to make the trip down to West Banco. Um, let them know what happened, then I got a little something special for them at home. Absolutely. Uh, we love family reunions here at Pittsburgh Hockey Digest, and that's what it was. Two uh, former Colonials, Daniel Evans and Zach Lynch, facing off head-to-head -head this weekend. Yeah, it was a very, very, very physical contest. Uh, I've I got a precursor to this. Uh, the uh, Toledo Walleye defeated the, the Wheeling Nailers in a very, very, very highly and heated contest. Um, and actually, just gotta, you'll, you're going to tell by the interviews here, I actually was able to stop and speak with both uh, Zach Lynch and Daniel Levins to talk about how they caught up, you know, just see where they were the last couple years that they were away, and they just gave me an update on how they're doing and how things are going with them. And actually, here speaking first, we'll be uh, Zach Lynch, and then Daniel Levins will be right after him. And Zach, just a couple yeah. quick questions. You know, um, leaving Robert Morris a couple years ago, uh, just take us through your timeline, which brought you to Wheeling. Uh, I played a couple years pro uh, up in Manchester, spent some time in Springfield and Utica. Uh, liked my time in Manchester a lot. I loved the area up there, but uh, ultimately I, I knew my plan was to come back, play around home. Uh, my fiance is uh, living in the area, so it's, uh, it's really good for us to, to, be, to be able to be so close to Pittsburgh, where we're from. And, uh, and uh, still be able to play this sport, so it worked out really well. Um, what was it like the day that you got the call with Wheeling to be able to get closer to home? Uh, I mean, I was just very, very excited, very fortunate to, to have that opportunity. Uh, like I said, I, I kind of had it in the back of my mind and in the back pocket of my plans all along that I wanted to end up here for a little bit. So uh, to finally get that chance was a pretty exciting day. Good, thanks. All right, Daniel, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh, the last couple of years since you left Robert Morris. You know, just let us know the journey of how you've, where you've gone to. Uh, well, out of school, I, uh, I ended up signing here in Wheeling, actually. Uh, I thought it was an easy decision for me at the time, um, close, to, close to Robert Morris. Um, I was able to finish my degree while I was playing here the last couple of weeks of the season and uh, went back to Wheeling the next year uh, to start the season. And around Halloween, I got traded to Allen which was uh, definitely a good, fun place to play. A uh, good team we had last year. And then around Christmas time, I ended up getting traded again to Rapid City, which I, I didn't really expect. But uh, I mean, I went down there with, uh, you know, I was ready to keep playing, mm -hmm. keep enjoying the journey. And uh, it was definitely a whirlwind of a year, mm -hmm. but uh, I got to see a lot of places and uh, <laughs> I enjoyed, met a lot of good guys and enjoyed my first year. And then coming to Toledo was a no brainer. I mean. They have a history of winning, and uh, I mean it was, it was an easy decision when I spoke with Coach uh, Coach Watson over the summer, and uh, I have no regrets about coming here. It's awesome. Toledo's been a good place for you so far this year. Absolutely. I mean, you look at our you look at our record, you look at our lineup. We're just we're hot right now, and uh, we have some some veteran guys that are really helping out the uh, the younger guys, and uh, we're just rolling right now. So hopefully we keep stuff it going. Too, especially yeah, Daniel Levins. I was. Uh, out with Andrew Wisniewski after the game, and we were actually down along the side of the arena, and uh, Levins was actually giving his uh, game stick to one of the a young fan outside, and it was a great, great, great moment to see, and you know, just guys that love the game and love their fans, and you know, you could just tell in Levins' voice that he was really excited to be back in Wheeling and can't wait to be back again. I believe they're not back until the end of the season, but um, at the same time, uh, it's good to have them back in town. Yeah, absolutely. And the Walleye, anytime they come to play, they're a very physical team, especially with the players. They have all big-bodied players, they, and they love to hit the, the Walleye. 13-2 and two right now are those Toledo Walleye. That's, <laughs> Wheeling's uh, not doing too hot right now, but unfortunately, you know, that's unfortunate. But Toledo, just a, an absolute force to be res reckoned with right now. All right, what else do you got for us there, sir? Absolutely. Let's go overseas to uh, Cody Wido is – tearing up with Thrag now. He's gotten in 19 games played, which is significantly less than the rest of the, the leagues in the team. So that's why he has fallen a little bit to 10th in league scoring. But he's got 14 goals and 10 assists for 24 points. And he is, he is first in goals and 
tied for 10th in total points. So. Wow. And uh, a lot of Colonials playing in France this year, but one of them that really stands out to me is Greg Gibson for Hellbronner Falcon in the uh, DEL2, the French mm -hmm. League. 19 games played, 11 goals and 12 assists for 23 total points. And another player from the same era, Scott Jacklin, 20 games played and a goal and 11 assists, and he's a whopping plus 18 in 12 games. Whew. Something he, he didn't really succeed with in the ECHL too much, but it's great to see him reaching his potential over in France. Sometimes they have to go over, you know, you go overseas and you get a piece of your, you know, the game that you're missing. You're able to work on a lot more at the professional level because a lot of these guys, you don't make it to the professional level. Uh, you make it to the professional, you make it to the professional level, but you're not complete, your game's not complete and you have a hard time making that happen. So it was good. it's good to see them go over there and have the success that they're having. Absolutely, and who says uh, a return to the States isn't out of the question because as our next guy here, uh, Dan David Freeman, he was overseas for a little bit and he came back and now he's playing in the ECHL in, in Florida with the Everblades and he got his first goal this weekend. So he's up to two points on the year. So very, mm -hmm. very satisfying. And we'll see Indy Fuel. I believe it's, it's if it's not this weekend, it's next weekend in Wheeling. Uh, Robert Powers is playing on the second pair for the Indy Fuel, and in 14 games play, he's got two goals, five assists for um, 11, sorry, seven, seven total point. points, and he is a plus eight. Oh, no. Bob's coming back to town. It's going to be fun to see. Absolutely. i got to get down to see that one. For sure, and the Indy Fuel, I believe they're still independent um, when it comes to affiliated with a professional team, but always exciting hockey to see for sure. Let's uh, hop over into the NCAA where we check on number 10 Providence College where their leading scorer is a local kid who we've talked on about on here before Jack Dugan in 13 games play he's got six goals and 10 assists for 16 points and he is a whopping plus 20 I have no idea where that stands in in the NCAA but that a plus 20 that's something that's definitely impressive you don't you usually see that from a freshman especially this early in the season I mean that those are season numbers in the in the collegiate ranks. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's it's something spectacular, and who knows where this what the ceiling is for this kid. Mm -hmm. uh, number 12, Bowling Green. We saw them here at the island for Robert Morris's first victory of the year mm -hmm. earlier, and we had uh, Andrew talk to Connor Ford, but in his 13 games played, he's got six goals and 10 assists himself for 16 total points, and he's a plus 10. Mm -hmm. And uh, Arizona State having a little bit of a down weekend, but th so they fall to 18. But it's always interesting to check in on Dimitri's uh, Kumantes and Austin Lemieux. Mm -hmm. And we'll have another uh, homecoming this weekend. Uh, there's a player on Penn State, the, the ladies team, that'll be here at the island this weekend, just like Maddie Mills from Cornell had a homecoming mm -hmm. last weekend, which I didn't actually know about. Th so thank you, Andrew, for pointing that out to me. But uh, Olivia Villani, is starting to suit up on the third pair for, for the Nittany Lions. So it'll be exciting to see her here this weekend. Mm -hmm. And uh, J.C. Gebhardt's tearing it up in the scoring race, still third in the scoring. So she's keeping pace with the nation, 27 points. So it's it, that's exciting stuff to watch. That's something we'll have to keep an eye on mm -hmm. from here on out. Let me see where we at. Oh, that's right. Mercy Hurst playing the awkward Monday game. I've, I don't think I've ever seen that in my, my five years of dedicatedly watching well, Whenever you play, hockey. you get those teams up in, in New York in the, in the upper tiers where they, they're so close to each other that they can actually make the trips really uh, to make them worth it on the weekend. So I've seen it a couple times, but, like, the weekday games aren't exactly, you know, hockey, especially at the collegiate level, is a weekend game. So Yeah. Yeah. Playing a rare Monday game where they dismantled Union College five to two today, but our uh, our Penn's elite player up there, Mary Catherine Galamis, uh, she's got five points on the year. I totally lost my spot in my notes here. It's <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'm looking at those notes too, and you're uh, absolutely you're good. First first goal um, last weekend, I believe, for her. So let's head on over to the the USHL where we check in on our. Our hometown phantoms. Well, not they're, they're our hometown, hometown phantoms. They're, they're they considered within our well realm. They're very, they're very close to here. And if you haven't made it up there this season to the Cavelli Center, I highly recommend getting up there. Especially to see this kid. <laughs> Absolutely, Connor McEachern, and we'll get to see him in this very building next year with uh, his six goals and nine assists for 15 points. And uh, I, he was up in the top 10. He's he slipped to 39th in the the league in scoring, mm -hmm. but. He's definitely fun to watch, and there is a, a future 
Colonial that's also coming next year. Garrett Craig in the AJHL in his 15 games played. He's put up 32 points, including 15 goals and 17 Ooh. assists. So that's that's some firepower we're getting next year yeah, on the got island. A lot of really good players coming in next year. Uh, of course, Hay Bear from coming from uh, from Johnstown, and then you look at McEachern and Clegg and couple players coming through the system. And Kramer, of course, coming from Johnstown. We get, he's uh, one of two Kramers we're getting next year. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Kramer and Kramer. Kramer and Kramer, which is uh, not as good as Kramer and Newman that the Pirates have, but we're, you know, we'll make it work here. And uh, let's go over to the CWHL. Um, this weekend we had the battle for Toronto with Toronto and Markham playing each other. And mm -hmm. Kristen Richards, the alternate captain for the Markham Thunder, netted her first goal of the season. And it was an awesome two years she had in this building here after transferring from Niagara when that program folded. Mm -hmm. And Brittany Howard netted her first power play goal of the year, and she's got five assists for six points. So she's she's back, back up towards that uh, .6 points per game average. They, Toronto's played significantly less games than the rest of the teams in the league so far. But she's going to take she's going to get there, but it's going to take her a little bit longer. I mean, she's getting used to that professional game up there. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, I'm. You can't. I can't imagine going from playing with with two college level players to playing with Olympians like that. The, the jump is just crazy, but it's it's nothing that she can't handle. And Anessa Gamble with her first professional point this week. Congratulations, Anessa. Absolutely, definitely one of the most intelligent players to ever come through through this rank here. And she's uh, doing some good things up there. I was talking to Andrew Wisniewski about that on a drive back from Wheeling. Oh, She's absolutely. doing some great things, and I think he actually has a feature on her coming up, so pay attention to that coming across. Oh, yes. Uh, very, very exciting news for her, and it, you're definitely proud of all the players that mm -hmm. graduate from Robert Morris and end up professional. Uh, let's actually go to Johnstown and talk about Roman Kramer. <laughs> um, he's got 10 points, or t in 10 games played, he's got three goals and four assists for seven points, and mm -hmm. Cameron Haybear, who we were talking about earlier, he in his 26 games played in Johnstown this year, he's got um, 11 goals and 24 assists for 35 points. He is on fire down there. Oh, they have to. Absolutely on fire. They have to love it down there. I haven't made Johnstown's it down. Johnstown's in first place right now by a long shot. I think they won 14 or 15 consecutive games. I, I have was to look just up those on details. Twitter. It is 15 games 15 in a row. 15 consecutive games there. First Summit Arena at the Cambria County War Memorial. Get down there. They are on fire. I am upset that I can't make it here coming up. But we will get to that at some point. Um, I actually have one to add to this to let you know. Uh, we've got a, uh, a very special note. Uh, of course, a couple years ago, this graduating class is coming out this year, the seniors for the women. Yes. Uh, they had one lady, one girl transfer out of here, one woman transferred out. Um, and I just noticed this the other day. Was I have a feeling where you're going with this, but Victoria Harshman. Yes, the captain the of captain Adrian of College. Adrian College, College. last year that? won the national championship in D3. Yes. And yes. Is, is a big contender this year. Um, good, congratulations to, to, to Tori up there. Um, that's a big honor up there, especially for a second year transfer out of. Uh, you know, yes. and yeah. I oh, could one. not be prouder of that girl. Yeah. I mean, that's that's some special stuff there. And so if you think about it, of the seven players that were in this incoming class and now graduating, four of them went yes. on to become collegiate captains. So how about that? Wow, that, that is a huge, huge honor and congratulations to her. All right, Matt, I thank you again. We will see you next week. Uh, of course, that was Matt Mamros with our Headwaters segment. We're going to parlay that into a really big announcement uh, that I wanted to uh, make in this podcast. It got slid through the wayside with a lot of the other stuff going on. But um, just to let all our listeners know, going forward in January, we will be recording the first half hour to 45 minutes or so of the podcast live on Facebook in a rink somewhere. I believe it will be on Sundays. So we will have an It'll be known as Berg Hockey Live, and it will be the concurrent podcast recording. It will not be the full podcast to get all the information. You're going to need to listen to the regular podcast still, but it will be coming to you live from one of the rinks on a Sunday. And I'm working on the details, so you might be, you know, at the island one Sunday during a game, maybe up at 66 if the Elite are playing. 
times are still being worked out. We're still working a bunch of the details out on this, but we are talking about going live with the podcast and bringing you all that you need to hear about Pittsburgh-based hockey here back from us from berghockey.com and Pittsburgh Hockey Digest and our staffers. And I can't be more proud of the guys that we have out on the ground right now working their butts off. Um, If I could have a hundred of them, we would have every rink covered in the Northeast, and I would be perfectly fine with that. But alas, we have what we have. We're doing what we can. And just a reminder, just so you know in this segue, Mitch's Challenge is still out there. We're looking for the best high school student section in the PIHL. If you think you got it, please come out to the games that I cover, Ed Major covers, Jared Todd Hunter covers. If Alan Saunders decides he wants to go out for a game, he's going to cover. We got guys out everywhere that we want to see what you guys got. And as I continue to say this, we're trying to get to everybody. Scheduling is isn't exactly the easiest thing in the world for me. The guys that are going out are on their own accord. They're deciding where they're going. We're not assigning anybody anywhere. That's just how we roll. We don't force anybody to go anywhere they don't want to go. And that way people still enjoy what they do and they love what they're doing out there. And I hear it every day that they're so excited they have a chance to actually do something like this, helping people out. But, yeah, that's what we got to say. Now, with that being said, Bardownski Player of the Month for October, Nick France, I was able to catch up with him on the 15th of November at the Barrel Ice Complex when Meadville faced West A. And this is what he had to say about his uh, season so far. All right, I'm here with Nick France. He is our... Bardowski Player of the Month for the month of October. Nick, 16 goals, four assists during the month of October. What was going on in your head? Uh, you know, just wanted to start off the season good. You know, uh, kind of have a, you know, uh, I don't know, just try to play tough hockey. You know, I went to a couple camps this summer. You know, worked on a lot of things and try to get better and work around my game all around. You know, just little things and. End up helping a lot and being able to bury the puck in the back of that and make good passes. Okay, uh, you guys were up to a four, uh, 5-1 uh, record to start the season. Of course, we just had that game against West Allegheny, but uh, you, you just mentioned you have a pretty short bench this year. How is that uh, affecting the team to be able to come out to that lead? And, you know, is that a thing that they're working on? Yeah, you know, a lot, a lot of practice. We try to do uh, uh, quick drills, you know, try and keep everyone moving, you know, get our... Uh, uh, endurance up. You know, we do a lot of uh, off-ice stuff before the season starts. Try to build up stamina. You just got you know, go out work your hardest every shift. You know, you got 30 seconds as hard as you can. And same thing in practice. Go as hard as you can. Just work, work hard. That, with that being said, we're going to jump into this week's recaps in Triple A. We had a couple of games. I'm just going to go through them best I can. It's going to be a little bit longer. We had more games than we thought. Bethel Park defeated Cathedral Prep on the 15th, 6-3 on Tuesday the 20th. It was a tr- three games out there. Peters Township defeated Bethel Park 5-1. Mount Lebanon fell to Central Catholic 3-1. North Allegheny defeated Cathedral Prep 4-3. On the 26th, we also had three games. North Allegheny blanked Seneca Valley 5 nothing. Mount Lebanon defeated Bethel Park 3-2. to And Butler defeated Central Catholic 1-0. Tuesday, it was Peters Township defeating Cannon Mac on our Peters Township Live. Of course, with Mac Geica 3-2 at Princecape. Standings after the first Eight weeks of the season, eight and a half weeks of the season, I'm sorry, look like this. North Allegheny out to the lead with a 7-1 and one record and 14 points. Peters Township right behind them with 12 points. Bethel Park, Seneca Valley, and Central Catholic all tied with 10 points right behind them. Statistically speaking, current leader right now is tied between Jeffrey Bell and Jeremy Anthos. Johnny McDonald, Cannon Mack right behind them, tied with Ryan Luppy of Peters Township. Vituccio and Wyatt George are tied with 10 points, so it's really close in AAA right now. In the crease, Richard Carpondi leading the way of the 6-0 record. Of course, he has a 963 save percentage. 
Connor Strobel right behind him with a 9.55 and his 2-1-1 and record. Aiden Campbell, a 9.35 rec- uh, save percentage right now, 5-1 and one on the season. And then Norbert McDermott, 4-4 four and four on the season with a 9.06 right behind them. Since we last left in double-A on the 15th, Hampton defeated Armstrong 5 to nothing, and Greater Latrobe defeated Shaler 6-1. On the 19th of November, we had four games. Upper St. Clair defeated Mars 7-4. I was there for that contest at the Ice Castle Arena. Franklin Regional and Moon. Franklin Regional defeated Moon 3-1. Hampton defeated Baldwin 3-2. And Hempfield defeated Quaker Valley 4-7-4 on the 20th. On the 20th, it was Plum over Shaler 6-2. Then on the 26th, we had Greater Latrobe falling to Hampton 6-4. Mars defeating Franklin Regional 3-2. Jared Todd Hunter was in the ring for that one. Upper St. Clair defeated Quaker Valley 4-3. Tuesday, we had one game played on the 27th, and that was Penn Trafford defeating Shaler 9-2. Standings at the end, I'm sorry, in the middle of week 9, look like this. In the northwest, it is Pine Richland out to a 7-0 start. They are now tied with Mars with at 7-2, but Pine Richland has two games in hand, 14 points apiece for those two teams. Hampton surging out of nowhere to become the third team in that division. And they are at 5-4 and four with 10 points. Moon right behind them at 9 points. Shaler, Armstrong, Quaker Valley round out the seven teams in that division. In the southeast, Upper St. Clair after that win over Mars, up 14 points. They are 6-0 and oh with, a, with two t- losses in overtime to give them that record. Greater Latrobe, two points directly behind them. Hempfield and Franklin tied for third in that division. Pentrafford, Baldwin, and Plum right on their tail. Statistically speaking, in Double A, Justin Adamski leads the league in scoring right now. Ten goals, twelve assists for twenty-two points. He has two more points than Greater Latrobe's Alexander Walker. Michael Warbin of Hampton, teammate. Right in third place with 19 points, and you have a tie for a four-way tie for fourth with 18 points between Cole Novak, Benjamin Leslie, Anthony Carone, and Devin Rorick. In the Nets, it is Daniel Stauffer leading the way, seven and zero with a 9.29 save percentage. Luke Conise, he has a four and three record with a 9.23 save percentage for Moon. Gregory Irons. Right behind all them with a 9.14 save percentage. Darren Rasmizic of Shaler, you have a 9.08 behind them. Going into single A, we had two games on the 15th of November. Those were Swickley Academy defeating Beaver 6-1. to and West Allegheny over Meadville, 4-1. to one. I was in the rink for that contest. On the 19th, five games played in single A. Here they were. South Fayette defeated Greensburg-Salem, 8-1. to one. Wheeling, Thomas Jefferson defeated Wheeling Catholic, 5-4. Westmont Hilltop over Wheeling Park, 5-3. What, Deer Lakes fell to Fox Chapel, 8-4. to four. And South Park defeated Chartiers Valley 5-1. to one. On Tuesday, we had one game in single A. It was Bishop McCourt defeating Norwin 8-1. to one. Monday, the 26th. Five games in play that day. It was Bishop McCourt over South Bay at 2-1. Thomas Jefferson defeating Indiana 9-2. Montour over Deer Lakes 12-2. I was in the ring for that contest. Of course, that's where we recorded most of this. Meadville over Swickley Academy 9-2, and South Park over Greensburg-Salem 8-1. On Tuesday, two games were played, and in those games, Chartiers Valley defeated Westmont Hilltop 5-4 in a shootout. I remember 
the tweets from that one. And West Allegheny rolling over Fox Chapel 16 to nothing. Ed Major was in the ring for that one. And ironically, couldn't remember what the score was. Wow, what a contest there. Standings at the end of the second half, sort of the first half of the ninth week. Montour leading the North up 8 and 0 at 16 points. West Allegheny right behind them now. 7 and 1 with 14 points. They'll face off in a couple weeks. Meadville 6 and 2 with 12 points. You're in third place. North Hills and Swickley Academy are tied for fourth with 8 points apiece. Freeport, Fox Chapel, Blackhawk, Deer Lakes and Beaver round out the top. In the East, Norwin, you're still up top of the division at 6 and 2. At with 12 points, Westmont Hilltop directly behind them with 11 points. Bishop McCourt at 10 points puts you in third. And then it's Indiana, Salem, and Kiskey area rounding out that division. South Fayette still leads the South at 7-1 and one with Thomas Jefferson nipping on their heels at 6-1. and one. South Park, you're at 5-2 and two with 11 points. You're right behind Thomas Jefferson. And then Chartiers Valley, Wheeling Catholic, and Wheeling Park round out the division. Statistically speaking, in single A, right now, it is still Nick France, but that gap is starting to close a little bit. Nick France leads with 21 goals, 11 assists, 32 points in 8 games. Richard Frilich of Montour, you have second place with 10 goals and 16 assists. Michael Felsing of Montour, 25 points, puts him right behind Frolik for third. Hadukovic, you have 18 goals and 6 assists for 24 points and good for fourth place. And in fifth place, Brendan Leach of Meadville with 22 points. In the nets for single A, Bruce Hardman still out to lead. 960 save percentage. He is 5-1. Has only given up 5 goals on the season so far. Joshua Ferry of West Allegheny, a 9.33 save percentage. It looks like we have a, cherry, a shared net in South Park, so we'll announce them both. It will be Sean Reckenwald and Shane Paramba. Sean Reckenwald, you have a 9.59, and Shane Paramba has a 9.39 save percentage. So a lot of the netminders doing good things down there at the Ice Castle. And then to round that one out, Cole Bradley of Bishop McCorv with a 9.08 save percentage. Oh, I'm sorry, John Ethan Isley has a 9.16 save percentage for North Hills. So that looks good there. Now we're going to move over to Division 2, where we had a couple contests where I was I was actually had attended. A uh, very, really cool shootout victory for Bishop Canavan a couple weeks ago. With that being said, on the 15th, Division 2, you saw Ringgold defeat Knox 6-1 at Ross Draver. Neshanik headed to Morgantown and defeated Morgantown 6-5. On Monday, three games were played. Neshanik defeated Erie, oh, sorry, McDowell 8-1. Burl defeated Carrick 6-2. And Bishop Canavan over Central Valley, 6-5. I was in the ring for that game. Really fun, fun contest. On Tuesday, Connellsville defeated Trinity 8-2 at Prince Scape Arena at South Point. Monday the 26th, it was Ringgold over Neshanik, 5-4 at Hess. And Burl over Knock at Pittsburgh Ice Arena, 7-1. Tuesday, we had three games played, and those were between Trinity and Central Valley, where Trinity defeated Central Valley 3-2. Connellsville over Carrick, 8-0, and McDowell defeated Bishop Canavan, 5-3. Standings after the, set, the first half of the ninth week. Burl still leading the top of the division, 9-0 with 18 points. Ringgold at seven and two is directly behind them. Connellsville behind them at fourteen points with nine six and one with two overtime losses. Nishanik thirteen points puts you in 
fourth place with a 6 2 0 and 1 record. Central Valley 5 2 0 and 2 puts you in third, fourth, fifth place with uh, 12 points. Then Carrick, Knock, Bishop Canavan, McDowell, Morgantown, and Trinity round out the division. Statistically speaking, the top scorers in the league currently are Tyler Stewart takes over the lead from from Ryan Brown and Dylan Zalonka. 21 po- goals, 11 assists for 32 points, 9 on the power play for Stewart. Zalonka right behind him, 13 goals, 17 assists for 30 points. Ryan Brown on his tail of Connellsville, 17 goals, 13 assists, 30 points there. And then it drops off to Gregory Hench of Connellsville, 7 goals, 14 assists for 21 points. And Jonas Sopko of Burl, 6 goals, 14 assists for 20 points. In net, Sebastian Skarzynski of Connellsville leads the way with a 930 save percentage. Andrew Burkett of Burl right behind him at a 929. And then you look at Carson Burkhardt and Nishanik at a 902. And Evan Cook of Ringgold at an 892 save percentage. Now we're going to close things out a little bit differently. I usually give you a nice little send-off to the weekend, but I actually have some interviews that I wanted to play for this week. It's, uh, of course, from Montour. It is Coach Clay Shell uh, and Captain Richie Froelich. Of course, they have a ridiculous season so far, and it, it's been a great run for them. And I, I actually had to put them on the spot a couple times about it because, you know, that St. Margaret tournament, you look at the teams that played in it, it was actually a pretty good field and didn't realize that they were the only single-A team that had been put into that position. So... I was able to talk to him a little bit about what happened there. And, uh, yeah, here is uh, Coach Clay Shell and Richie Froelich. All right, we are fresh off of a 12-2 victory for Montour over Deer Lakes. I am here with Richie Froelich, the captain of Montour. What's clicking with the team? You guys are 8-0 now, uh, leading the north by a nice wide margin. I mean, what's going on? You know, I think we just have a a really – close group of boys all together we play really well because we practice hard we're all friends we're all buddies we all take this very seriously so whenever it comes to game time we all know uh, it's time to put it down and uh, time to do what you have to have to do every uh, every Monday we come we show up we, uh, we practice hard on uh, Saturdays you know mm-hmm. Sundays <laughs> I think I was here for a Sunday actually the the uh picture day practice and you guys uh he was calling me out over something I couldn't remember what it was I was trying to see when I would be out next and I already had my schedule set up and I had readjusted for this game so I was able to be here and wow I mean the first couple uh first couple game you know goals it was just like it was clockwork you guys were just out there you just were a cohesive unit no matter who you put out on the ice I mean is that something that you guys are working on with between keeping the uh players together you know that group mentality or you know I think it's just uh, great coaching honestly it's just we all come into practice know what needs to be done and we all are so so good with playing with one another because like I said we're such a close-knit group all right now we're here with coach Clay Shell of the Montour Spartans Clay before the beginning of the season uh, after that West A game that we, we uh, kind of talked you looked at me and you asked me one question beforehand before I even asked you any questions, what did you ask me? When you would be back. Oh, okay, that wasn't what I asked. But, um, <laughs> no, we looked at the beginning of the season. We saw that St. Margaret tournament. We saw that West A, and you guys had given up almost 40, 50 goals in, that, in those four games. And um, We looked at it, and we were like, okay, you, uh, your crew just needed to get assembled a little bit. You lost a guy to an injury, football injury, I believe. One of your guys went down with a football injury. And... Now we're looking at an 8-0 team where you guys are just lighting up everything in the way. I mean, I was following along with that mo- that game in Meadville, uh, the West A game. That uh, What's going on with your team, man? <laughs> uh, the boys are very focused. Um, they listen. Uh, they execute. And uh, I couldn't be happier as a coach just because they do uh, as we ask and as we practice. 
Um, I always put us in that St. Margaret's tournament. That's our third year doing it. And uh, again, like you saw this year, we we uh, we got toasted, mm -hmm. but uh, we were the only single A team there. And mm -hmm. it's a great learning lesson for the boys that uh, they can always get better. And we came out of that. We had the West A game, uh, that charity game that I mm -hmm. saw you at. And, we were not focused. We were focused on our brand new, really cool all-black jerseys. And those were some sweet threads, I will tell you that much. Those were awesome. I was kind of upset when I didn't see them tonight. <laughs> um, and that's all they were focused on that night. It was, again, a great learning lesson. And from there, it's all been, uh, uh, it's just clicking. It's working. And couldn't be happier with the boys. I have great leadership. Uh, three captain, uh, captain, two assistants, three captains that are, uh, doing the little things that they're supposed to do in the locker room, on the bench, on the ice, and it's just clicking. All right, now looking forward, now you only play the teams that are in the north, so you're going to see Meadville again, you're going to see West A again. Of course, West A, I believe I will see you at that West A game up at Barrel in a couple weeks, so I will actually be in the rink for that. Um, the lessons that you've learned so far, that win against uh, Meadville, where Meadville almost was able to come back in that one, uh, are they learning as they go in that facet of, you know, coming, uh, overcoming adversity, or is that something that you're trying to instill in it? That's something you just got to learn as you go. No, we talked about, uh, there's lessons in everything we do. Um, whether it's, uh, it's our schoolwork or it's, uh, our actions off the ice, everything is a, a learning tool in, in this organization. And, um, I'm looking forward to that West A game, big time. Uh, <laughs> Brian and I are friends, and uh, uh -huh. uh, a very good coach, very good team. I look forward to that game and Meadville again. Um, but we we learn in everything we do in that Meadville game. They came back because we took our foot off the gas. Uh, we started uh, hesitating, mm -hmm. and we weren't playing our game, which is go north, go north fast. Mm -hmm. And uh, they came back. They're a very, very good hockey team, and we got lucky that night. All right. So they're going to have West Day in a couple weeks. Um, Clay, once again, thank you for coming on with me. Uh, good luck for the next couple weeks. I'll see you probably, I believe that's what, two weeks from now. Two weeks. Is it the 17th? I believe it's the 17th. So it's, yeah. my, it's one of the last couple games of this, uh, before they uh, break for Christmas. So. All right. So I would like to thank, of course, Coach Shell and Richie for coming on with me for that interview. Also, thank you, Matt Mamros, for your Headwaters segment once again this week. Thank Gary Heeman for meeting me for the interview. Another thank you to the Wheeling, uh, the Wheeling Nailers for allowing me to speak with Zach Lynch, the Toledo Walleye, for letting me speak with Daniel Levins, uh, Cornell for letting me speak with Maddie Mills, and all everybody else, if I miss somebody, oh, uh, Nick France for being our Player of the Month for October and speaking to me with afterwards. Um, I... I if I miss somebody, I apologize. There was a lot of content on this week. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope to hear you next week. And uh, if you have any questions at all, please reach out to me on Twitter at PhD underscore Mitch at BergHockey.com. You can find all my contact information there. For everybody, all of us at Pittsburgh Hockey Digest, we'd like to thank you for listening once again. And I will see you in the rink. Take care, guys.